0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 26, The Secret Agent Show. Welcome back. It's been about two and a half weeks since the last show. That's actually as planned. I've been pacing myself so that next show I could play Ambush. I've been reading through the rules, getting ready for that. I finished reading the rules last night, so now I am ready to play that game, more or less. The rules pretty much make sense, but I'm pretty sure as I play it, I won't remember how the combat works and that sort of thing. So I'll be looking through the rulebook a lot. Anyway, I jumped straight in, didn't I? Let me skip over to news and tell you what's been going on that I've come across. First up, on Kickstarter, there's a project called Building the Ultimate Knot for a game called Knots, which has solo rules. It looks like a puzzle game, a tile-laying puzzle game. Next is Storm the Castle, which is a co op game, sort of opposite to Castle Panic, where instead of protecting a castle from advancing hordes, you are the advancing hordes. It's been on Kickstarter for a while, I'm not sure when it ends. And finally is Relentless, The Search for Glory. It's a 1 to 10 player game that apparently is similar to Risk. The idea of a game that supports 1 to 10 players. And his risk like just seems very strange, so that's probably worth checking out just for the oddity of that. In other news, the game Don Quixote is now available on Android. If you have an Android device, a phone or a tablet, you can get that game for ninety nine cents. I've played it and it's pretty fun. It plays really similar to the to the board game. So I will try and review the board game in the next few shows, kinda of giving you an idea what it's like. It's Pretty simple puzzle game. It's a sort of game where everybody plays and does the same thing each turn and the goal is to see what the final score is. It Everybody plays the same tile. Well, no. Everybody plays a, could play a different tile but in the same space each turn and the goal is to in the end to see who gets the best score based on how you placed your tiles. Another app, the Elder Sign app by Fantasy Fight Games, has a new expansion. It isn't available on Android yet, it is available on Apple's iPhone and iPad, I think. This is neat looking because it's instead of being in Arkham in the library, it's in some sort of outside location. Okay, next up, GMT Games announced a new game, the third game in the Men of Iron series. This one is called Blood and Roses, and it's based on the Wars of the Roses. Um, If you remember way back, probably somewhere around episode 7 or so, I reviewed the first Men of Iron game. It was fun. You know, it's really a two-player game. You could play it solitaire. This one did mention that it has the biggest battle yet for a Man of Iron game. Something like 200 counters on the board is what I think I read. And finally, another news from Fantasy Flight. There's a new expansion pack announced. I didn't even realize it. There's a new series. And a new uh, large box expansion, or small box expansion coming out. The square boxes. Based on the N- Numenorian humans, I believe this was also announced yesterday. And that's it for news. Okay, before I get into today's game, which is the Isle of Doctor Necro, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the games that are going to be available at Essen this year. Essen Game Fair, in case you don't know, is actually next weekend. So, I've, and there's a geek list on Board Game Geek that lists lots and lots of the games coming out. This year, some of them are just previews or demos, and some are actually, games are available to buy there, and will be available in stores at some point. So I've gone through this geek list, it's got something like 500 games on it, I went through and found all the ones that support Solitaire Play. And I've listed them out, so I'm going to just go through that and tell you what's coming up. Before I start reading them out to you, if any of these do sound interesting, you should go check out the geek list, I will include a link to it and check out the game cuz the the list often includes some details about the game, what language or version it'll be, the cost, and even maybe the booth location. So if you will be at us and you know, you can figure out where to pick it up that way. Okay, so these are in the order I found them. First is Thunderstone Advanced: The Root of Corruption. This is an expansion for the newer Thunderstone version. I don't know much about this. It's 1 to 5 players. It does include a cooperative version. I think that's new to Thunderstone. Next is Bone to be Wild. Another game in the Bohanza series. This is not an expansion, but a standalone game. It supports one to seven players. I don't know how similar the gameplay is to the original game. I got the impression it is pretty similar, but I'm not really sure. It's got the same sort of look and feel. The the beans are starting to get a little more creative in the types of beans you're playing with. Next is a game called Town Center. It's by the Age of Steam team, and it is not a Steam expansion or Age of Steam expansion, and it's a one to four player game. Next is Conflict of Heroes Le Reveil D- de Not sure the theme. The Conflict of Heroes games is from World War Two and onward. Apparently, I'm not sure what period this particular expansion covers or this particular game. I think it's World War Two, but I don't know. Um, I understand Conflict of Heroes supports single player mode. I don't know if it's an actual their solitary rules or you're just playing both sides or what. Next is Suburbia. It's a game by Ted Auspich. It reminds me of somewhere something like a SimCity. It also supports one to four players. Old Town is a it's a new edition of an old game that's been around for years. If I remember right, this is a, a logic. Game where you're trying to figure out how to build the town. I guess in a way you could say it's something like a Sudoku puzzle, but I'm not sure if that's a fair comparison. This one is for one to four players. Next is Foundation, an abstract two-player game with really neat-looking wooden pieces. Apparently it supports solitaire play, but I couldn't find anything more about it other than the fact that the the header of the description says it's one or two one or two players. Next is Shadows Over Camelot, the card game that supports 1-4 to four players. That's cooperative. Seems a little strange that there's a Shadows over Camelot game for one player since one of the big things about Shadows over Camelot is that it has a traitor in the game. I don't know how you're gonna have a traitor if you're the only person playing. So, you know, if you're looking at this game for solitaire or play, you might want to check that out first. Next is Spellbound. I believe I mentioned this one before. This is by the Fragor Brothers. It is a cooperative deck-building game about spellcasting. Next is Match Points. All I wrote about it is a game of turning tiles to maximize your score. It includes a solo variant. It's some sort of puzzle game. Next is Color Pop, a bright, plasticky abstract game for one to five players. Co2. It's a game about. It's a game in, the, in which the players are C- CEOs of a energy company, and you're trying to deal with producing energy while having to deal with a government regulation and green energy and stuff like that. There's Gladiatory, a card driven game of gladiatorial combat that supports one or more players. The one player game has some randomness, if you're playing multiple players there's no randomness in the game. Next is Pax Nocturnus, which is an expansion for Pax. Which is a a neat card drafting game, I've played it but have not played it solitaire. This is for one one to four players also. Then there are two Agricola expansions, the Belgian deck and the Pi deck. Since Agricola supports one player, both of these should work if you're playing solitaire. Next is Snowdonia, a one to four four player worker placement game by Lookout Games. Lookout Games likes to put solitaire rules in all their games, which is nice. Okay, so that was the first page so far. I've got two pages total. I think it's almost two full pages. Next is Small City. It's an abstract game for one to four players. There will be a prototype available, but... No copies are currently for sale. It's an area control, variable player power, simultaneous select action game. I assume the simultaneous action doesn't apply to Solitaire play. Next is Card City. It's another game in the Small Cities Trilogy. And it's also one of four players. I don't see a third game, so maybe that one isn't coming out yet this year. Then another expansion, this one for Yggdrasil. It's called Yggdrasil Asgard. Driscoll is a game similar to the States of Siege series in the way it plays, but with really nice looking board and nice artwork. That's actually a cooperative game. You could play solo, you could play like up to four or five players, I think. And there's Room 25, another cooperative game. This is about trying to escape from a prison that apparently has no doors, or has lots of doors, but has no exit. And Room 25 is some sort of Mythical room that might be the way out. And your goal is to find that room. Next is La Loire. Wor- this is from the back of the box, I think. It is a wonderful challenge for one. Yes, face yourself to four players. A passionate struggle of resource management. Oh, and it's uh, about mail delivery in 15th century France. Okay, this next one, I cannot say it. Ginko, Gink, Ginkopolis. It's a game for 1-5 to five players. It's a tile-laying game about an organic city of the future. And it's based on the Ginkgo Biloba tree. Next is Robinson Crusoe Adventure on the Cursed Island. There were two Robinson Crusoe games last year. I think this might be one of them, but maybe not. This one is for 1-4 to four players. It's got nice looking art, but the theme seems a little strange. In that I'm not sure anybody actually plays Robinson Crusoe, just other people on his island. Then there is Escape, Curse of the Temple, a game by Queen Games. It is a dice-rolling, cooperative, tile-placement, modular board game in the style of Indiana Jones. And there's also an expansion for that game, which adds uh, the ability to add another player and some new modules. Then there's Farmerama, a 1-4 player game by Uwe Rosenberg. Apparently it's based on a popular video game. I don't know this game, unfortunately. But I guess it's sort of like Farmville or those other Facebook games. Then there's Confetti, a party game for one to seven players. You can throw cards into the air and then collect them by combining them somehow for victory points. Japanese Castle, a game for one to four players about physically building castles from cards. Sort of like uh, making a house of cards. Clocks, it's another one to four player game. It's a blind bidding game in which you bid for the dice. You roll the dice and then everybody... Bid simultaneously for it, or blindly. Again, that's not something that's going to work for one player. So I assume the rules for solitaire players different. They're simplified. Then there's the Battle of Red Cliffs. It's a one to nine player TZQ variant with co-op playability. I've mentioned this one before. It was on Kickstarter, and it's finally getting published. There's a few other games by the same designer, Tate Wu. There's the Minds of the Sacred Dragon. It's an abstract tile placement game. Sudoku Tyson Ice Age supports one to four players. It's a Sudoku variant. Okay, and those are it by him. Next is Huya Navy Seals Card Game. It's a one to four player cooperative game. I remember mentioning this one before too. It is published by U.S. Games. Next is Hist- uh, Legend History of Mil Miglia. It's a game of covering the classic car race across Italy. Actually, it's the first in the series of games. It, it sort of looks like Leader 1, but apparently, according to other people, it's something between Leader 1 and Speed Circuits. And finally, there's an expansion for Mage Knight, the board game called The Lost Legions. So that's it. The I don't know that any games specifically stuck out to me as really, sounding really, really interesting. I mean, they all sound pretty neat. The one thing I did notice is none of these games, or none of the ones I found, are strictly for solitaire play. They're all just support single-player gaming. That's because many of them are cooperative games. So that's interesting. A little bit unfortunate. I was hoping there'd be more solitaire-only games this year since there was a Friday last year. Okay, now let's just go ahead and jump on into the review. Today's game is The Isle of Dr. Necro. It was designed by Jonathan Leistico and published in 2009 by AEG. It has art by Jim Pinto, Scott Purdy, and Kevin Wasden. This is a cooperative game, and uh, let me read you the text from the back of the box to give you uh, the flavor. You are part of an elite rescue and recovery espionage team in the world of the future. The nefarious Dr. Necro has kidnapped the world's top scientists and forced them to build a doomsday device that threatens all life on the planet. Dr. Necro's ultimatum? Surrender to his rule in four hours, or he will trigger the Doomsday Devise and destroy the world. He must be stopped, but time is running out. The Odd of Dr. Necro is a cooperative card game for one to five players fighting... Oh, wait, wait, wait. And now let me jump to the rest of the text in the rulebook. The nations of the world agree that yielding to Dr. Necro is unacceptable, so they have sent your team to his remote island fortress. An advanced team has deployed a bomb deep within the volcano but was captured before they could retrieve the scientist. That team is presumed dead. Your mission, rescue the scientist before Dr. Necro and his diabolical island lair are blown to kingdom come. You must be quick, but not too hasty. Dr. Necro's security measures, merciless traps, and fiendish creations will fight you every step of the way. Time is running out. Okay, so that's what the game is about. Um... To me, it's a cross somewhere between uh, Flash Gordon, James Bond, and the Isle of Dr. Moreau. So in this game, you play, a, a, as I read, you play a, like a secret agent, a spy, and your job is to go into the island. And the whole game is a card game. It comes in a small box. It's the same size as Space Hulk Death Angel. So it's one of those small box fantasy flight game size box. So said it's a card game. So this game brings a bunch of cards a countdown track, which is a little board, some counters that you put on the track, and then a bunch of other tokens to keep track of charges that your character might have. Oh, and it also has some dice in it, three little dice. So the way it works is you're going to play a character, and you're going to create your character by drawing three cards randomly from the character deck. And it's a little confusing because a character is made from three character cards. and They really should have said like a, a spy or an agent or anything is made from three character cards, to make it a little less confusing. Some of the character cards don't apply to solitaire game, and if you get one of those, you just kind of ignore it and draw another. But let me give you an idea. Each character card is going to give you some sort of special ability. They'll let you improve the diroes. They might let you look ahead of cards or discard cards you really don't like. Some have charges, and you have to spend a charge to use that ability. Some come with charges already on them. Some, Some you have to just build up as you play along. And here, let me just give you an example of one of the cards. Um... The Mentalist. At the start of your team turn, look at the top 3 cards of the adventure deck, place them back on top of their deck in any order. So that lets you sort of rearrange what you're going to have to deal with. Um, How about Skilled. You may gain gain plus 1 to any die roll you make. Which is pretty handy. So as I said, you're going to have 3 character cards. You're going to place them in front of you face up. And then you have the adventure deck. When you set up the game, you divide the the adventure deck into 3 parts. And in the bottom part, you're going to put the escape shuttle. You'll shuffle that part together. So it's somewhere in the bottom third. And then in the middle section, you're going to put the scientists that you need to find and shuffle them up. Place it on top of the the other third and finally shuffle the the remaining third and place that on the top of the deck. And so your goal is to find the scientists by going through the deck one card at a time and then making it to escape shuttle. The, The way a turn goes, you have one of two choices. You could either rest... Or you could explore the island. I'll tell you rest first. That's really easy. You basically, if you've taken any damage, you're going to heal one of your character cards. And what you do, when you take damage, you basically flip one of your cards upside down. You can't use that card and it's not damaged. To heal it, you just flip it back up. And you could charge one of your cards. So you get to do those two things. And each character in the game, each uh, agent, will get to do that. So if you're playing, say, with three characters, nine character cards. Then you would get to each of your characters would flip one of their cards over that's damaged if you have any and gain a charge. And then the other thing you could do when you rest is look at the top card in the deck and choose to keep it on top or put it at the bottom of the deck. The other thing you could do on a turn is explore the island and then what you do is you decide how far you're gonna explore. So then you have another counter you put on the board and the board basically has like 24 spaces you put it on, say, number 10, that means you're going to go through 10 cards in the deck. And then you just start drawing cards one at a time until you go through all 10. And that would be the end of the turn. What the cards have you do, it's pretty straightforward. You're going to flip over a card, and you're going to roll a die, or sometimes multiple dice. And either you're going to succeed or fail in that card, and then go on to the next card. If you're still alive, or some, if you fail, you might end up, end up having a and that turn right where you are and not draw any more cards. That's basically the whole game. Draw a card and roll dice to see if you got higher than you needed to or lower than you needed to. So, you know, it sounds pretty basic and some people don't like it because you don't get any choice in the game. I don't agree with that. There are choices as you're playing the game because your characters have special abilities and some let you do things like absorb damage and or other things or modify a die roll. You have to decide as you're playing, you know, do I want to use my special ability now or do I want to save that for later? You, you know, as you're playing, you also decide how fast you want to go to through the, through the island. Do you want to go through the deck really fast or do you want to go slowly? It's hard to go fast and, you know, if you decide to do something like twenty turns, you're probably going to have to stop drawing cards before the 20 and heal up. Or you're probably going to have one of your characters killed by that point. So there definitely are some choices there. I did not mention how the combat works. When you draw a monster card... The monster's health is equal to the number of players. The monster also has an attribute called CV, I'm not sure what that stands for, but it'll be a number, like four, and then what you have to do is, each character rolls one die and has to roll better than four to win the fight. If you win the fight, you damage that monster, you, you, you give it a one health damage. If you roll lower than that number, then the monster hits you, you take a damage if you roll this that value like in that case where it was a cv of 4 if i roll a 4 it's a draw and you do another round of combat if you take damage after you take your damage you keep fighting until either you choose to retreat which ends your turn instantly or until you kill the monster so yeah so when you're fighting monsters you're going to end up sometimes rolling more than one you know keep going until you've decided you're taking too much damage and you just want to stop or until you kill that monster and you keep going the monsters i think tend to be pretty tough if they hit you, they do that damage, remember that means you flip the card over upside down, so now you don't have, whichever card you flip over, you lost that character's ability. Which can be unfortunate, you know, sometimes you have a character whose ability is not that useful, and that's okay, you, you tend to flip that one over and over and you save your others, but if you take a second damage now, now your choices start getting harder, you got to flip another card over and you really don't want to because you know you need that card. So it gets a little bit tense, It's kind of, it's fun. I've found that if you play solo... It tends the three cards you draw tend to be very random, and there's gonna be a lot of luck based. It's gonna be very luck based on how good your character is. Certain cards are just weaker. Certain combinations of cards are just weak, and also don't give you much choice. Other cards might give you more choice or are more powerful. From what I found, if I, if I have a weak character, I probably won't last that long. So the game tends to be short, say ten minutes or less, maybe five minutes. If I have a strong character, I might make it to the end and. the game becomes a little more tense just trying to see how close you get. I also found that if I play with more than one character with two or three characters at a time, as I'm playing, I do end up having more choices because now you start deciding... It's a bit confusing this rule, but when you have to roll one of the characters, or one of the the characters is the one that rolls the die, so you decide which character is rolling the die, and some get bonus and some don't. So you, you decide which character rolls the die. A lot of times that's just an obvious choice. But that's not always true, and then how you distribute the damage, when people get damaged, you start having to choose which card you want to sacrifice now, or who's going to spend a charge in their special ability to make the die roll better, and you spend that charge now, you save it for a more important roll later. So that's basically the game. I like this game. It's, it's simple, and it plays pretty quick, and you are just rolling dice, but sometimes that's fun, and if you're not in the mood for something deep, this is entertaining. The art is really cool. As I read in the description of the game, it's in the future, but it's sort of like the Flash Gordon future of the past. So it's pretty neat. All the art's like that. The only thing I don't like about it is when you're fighting the monsters, it feels unthematic. Why are there these weird like cyborg apes and that sort of thing? To me, that doesn't make sense. But overall, it works pretty well. As I said it brings three dice. They're pretty neat. I like these dice, actually. They're, they're red translucent plastic. Unfortunately, it only brings three if you're playing with more than three people. Sometimes that doesn't work out so well. Even with one player, sometimes you might need four dice, though not very often. So I think that's it. This is a short review. It's a neat game. It's not for everybody. It's a simple die-rolling game with a lot of theme. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.